hot takes on uh, reality survivor shows. <laughs> Just straight thumbs down from over there. Good. I'm about to criticize one, so I like that you guys are, <laughs> are vibing with that. Nice. Anybody see the, the show Alone? I keep hearing that. All right. Steve, are you a fan of Alone? Do you like it? Thumbs up. Everyone I talk to is a fan of Alone. They like that. It's on Netflix. Originally the History Channel and then Netflix. So let me give the premise. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it, but I've never watched it before. So that's Danger Zone for speakers. But here we go. Um, alone is a challenge where a certain, I think it's believed, 10 contestants get put out into the wilderness with cameras and an occasional medical check. And I think they can bring something like 10 items or something like that. And whoever survives the longest is the winner. Not that everybody dies. That sounds horrible. Uh, who, whoever uh, stays in the game longest before they bow out or get taken out because of medical reasons wins. And I think the, the most recent prize is like a million dollars or something like that. And it's a bit of a, a survival phenomenon. Most of the survival shows up in this point have been like team or like find your tribe, vote, vote the person off the island sort of thing. But this is kind of like I keep hearing it pop up and I just, you know... I'm like a casual uh, societal observer, I would say. And it, it intrigued me, the fascination with this show. And I read an article that said, this is a masterclass in human psychology. A masterclass in human psychology. I think, I, I would imagine it's something like uh, the fail videos you find on YouTube. Like how your attention gets drawn to that. Or like how there's a rubberneck on the highway whenever there's an accident. You can't not look. I think there must be some of that going on, but I just think it's fascinating that it's entertainment for our society to put people alone and see how, they, see how well they can survive. I think there's some element of uh, observing how amazing the human spirit is, how, uh, um, how, how we can survive in certain situations, but I've also found it fascinating how frequently people bow out and who the people that bow out are. And the person who's done it longest has only done it for 87 days. And I think one of the things that I observe, not even being a watcher of the show, but just about what that says about human beings, is what it says in the first chapter of Genesis, or second chapter, excuse me. It is not good for humans to be alone. I think everyone I've talked to who's watched that show will conclude that it becomes very clear very quickly that being alone is not a good strategy for survival whether it's physically or emotionally. And that strikes me that maybe some of the attention towards that show is that we've lived through a very isolated period the last few years, haven't we? We've maybe been as alone as some of us have ever been before because of the circumstances. And w going through that and learning that that's so counter to who we're created to be. It strikes me, as I said at the beginning of Genesis, it says it's not good for humans to be alone, which isn't just a casual statement. It's actually when you look at the story of God, a part of what God is trying to remedy from that point on. Connection, and I would put it this way, God hates isolation. I'm not sure if he's a fan of that show. <laughs> he probably likes it, it's entertaining, but I think he agrees with the point. We cannot survive on our own. And I love what Kara shared last week. It was a great Jesus story. If, if you didn't get the chance to listen to it, it's on YouTube if you want to follow it there. 
One of the questions that kept sticking with me after what she shared was, why did Jesus leave? She talked about how he was here after his resurrection for 40 days, and then he left. And he, not only that, he said, better is it that I leave so that the Holy Spirit can come and be with you. And we kind of just sat with the question last week, what is he talking about there? And I think that question becomes even more poignant when we realize that it's not good for us to be alone. And we have this yearning sometimes, some of us who follow Jesus, for him to just be right there in the room. And we ask this question, what was Jesus doing with that strategy? And Kara explained a little bit that uh, what Jesus said is he had to go away so that the Holy Spirit would come. And I thought for our Jesus story today, even though it isn't a gospel story, like the explicit stories of Jesus, I want to look again at the book of Acts and read this next part of the story to you because it's a bit of the second act of Jesus' story. Even though he's not there in the flesh for the whole book, it repeatedly uses the phrase, the Spirit of Jesus or the Holy Spirit is present. So we can think of the book of Acts as, it's often referred to as the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Young Believers, but really it's the Acts of Jesus through the power of his spirit in the people who follow him. So let's take a look at that. We're going to read actually Acts 2.42, and I'll read it for you, but I encourage you to pull out a phone if you uh, have one. And if you uh, haven't put a Bible app on your phone yet, I'd encourage you to do that. It's a great way just here at our our time uh, to look at the scripture, but also on your own time to explore scripture a little bit. I'd really recommend the app called The Bible Project. That one's really fun for me. Before we read our scripture, verses 42 through 47, which is really going to be a description of what happens to the people who follow the way of Jesus afterwards, what it's like for them to be a community after Jesus is gone. Uh, what, follow, or what comes before this is an event that we like to call Pentecost, this moment where the Holy Spirit comes, uh, and it, it, there, the Holy Spirit comes, and there's these like uh, mysterious flames on uh, people. Not, they're not burning, but hovering over their head. They start speaking in different languages, and this really mysterious occurrence happens. And they're speaking in the language of all these different ethnic groups that are represented there. And it's really this amazing move of God to communicate how he wants to unite the world under his love and leadership. And it's the very beginning, the very inception of this amazing Jesus community. And then Peter gets up and gives this sermon that's really important to the people around him. And it says that like 3,000 people follow Jesus that day. It's a miraculous day. And then towards the end of this chapter, it starts to describe what life is like for those 3,000 people. And the question I want you to sit with as we read this today is, what would this be like today? What would this be like today? Obviously, it's not exactly like it was in that time, but it's a pretty good indicator of what's, what's possible for people who are are following the way of Jesus, who are committed uh, to his leadership. So let's ask the question, what would this look like today if this was happening? I'm going to read in verse 42 of chapter 2 of of the book of Acts, and I'll read to the end of the chapter. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them and the, as the apostle performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met 
in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in their homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to the number of their fellowship those who were being saved. What would that look like today if that sort of thing existed? No, I'm not fishing for a compliment. I'm not asking you to answer, it looks like this, it looks like North City. I'm not looking for a pat on the back, even though this has been a guidepost for what churches aspire to be. I generally hope that you can answer around your table, what would this look like today? And that's a question I want you to sit with, and I want to give you one piece of insight uh, that I think that is important. There's a lot here and a lot that probably stood out to you, and I hope you get the chance to share that around your tables. But can I give you one thing that's been really meaningful to me? There's a word in this text, fellowship. Did you see that word? Fellowship. There's moments in the Bible where words that are used in the original language just don't get carried over that well in English. In fellowship, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, so that's what I think of initially. And it's not unlike that, honestly. Uh, but fellowship is kind of this loose term. Do we mean just like hanging out with people? What do we actually mean? So that word in Greek is this Greek word koinonia. And it carries this beautiful, beautiful image of what I've come to understand as common partnership or partnership together. And it has that idea of not losing yourself in the crowd, but being an individual who's intricately connected through values, through common mission. And it's a partnership in that there's as much collaboration as being served and serving others. And not only that, it's not just a word that's used for human relationships. It's a word that's used for what Jesus invites us into in relationship with God. In 1 Corinthians, uh, I believe it's uh, 15 or 118. I can't remember. I'm missing my references. But he says that we, because of what Jesus accomplished, get invited into the koinonia of Jesus, the fellowship, the partnership with Jesus. I just think this is a beautiful image that oftentimes when we think of fellowship, we just think of fun hangouts and things like that, or we think of church membership. We think of all the rules that we need to follow. And really what Jesus intended for his people, what they're living out, is partnership and relationship with God Almighty, who created the universe every day of your life, and with other believers. I like to say the phrase, God didn't just save us from something, but saved us for something. All these believers were certainly had a purpose, had a mission. What made them be so generous with their lives? What made them wanting to get together all the time? Whenever I read that text, I'm like, man, wouldn't they get sick of each other if they're eating together all the time? Or wouldn't they do this? But they were so joined together because they felt in partnership, in kinship, in a common mission of loving the people around them and experiencing this tremendous, energizing, empowering, indwelling of God's very presence in their life. So I'll leave it at that. I wonder what stands out to you. I wonder what you think this would look like um, today. What could it look like today, these sort of things? So 
I'll turn it over to your tables. We'll have this time of listening time. That's the question I want you to stand with today. What would this look like today? Or if that one isn't resonating with you, you can just ask what stood out to you in this passage, in this story uh, of these young believers. So let's turn to the people around you. Try not to share more than two minutes just so there's enough listening that happens between everyone. Sound good? Well, I want to give you a few announcements here before we uh, send the kiddos to some fun programming. Here's what's going on in uh, the life of our community that you may want to know about. First of all, it's Mother's Day. All you all knew that. These flowers are on the table for you, moms, or for anyone who would like to give them to a mom or a mom figure in their life. So if you would like to uh, take one home, moms, for you, or um, bring one home for someone you know who you want to uh, love and honor in that way, do so. Uh, we just want to acknowledge you moms and the most difficult job you do in raising young ones. And uh, we also want to acknowledge that today might be a hard day for uh, maybe someone or people experiencing grief on this day, whether it's the loss of a mom physically or just emotionally in your life. And I just want to say we see you. Uh, this is a celebratory day for some and a hard day for others. It's both of those things. We acknowledge that, and we want you to know as a community we're here for you, um, whatever the tenor of today is. So here's what's coming up at North City, some exciting things that you may want to be uh, aware of. Any, any runners out there? Any runners? All right, we're in good, I love that, eh, that's kind of how I feel about it. Well, you don't have to be a runner to do this, but it is sort of an active thing. Actually, everybody can do it. Uh, there's a 6K coming up with World Vision, and that sounds intimidating for folks, but in years past, everyone's done it. Even if you, uh, if you all remember our beloved Connie, she did it last year uh, along with the crew. So whatever pace you want to do it, it raises some monies uh, for uh, water projects around the world, and it's a fun way for us to partner with our friends over at Brookdale Covenant Church. I think there's still registration open for that, so if that interests you, that's Saturday, May 21st. And then the following Sunday, we will still have dinner church here. We'll still have our community dinner. But they've invited us, along with three other churches, to have a combined multi-ethnic worship service in the morning at 10 o'clock over at Brookdale Covenant Church. If you don't know where that is, we can help you find it. A couple of us are going just to, uh, just to know, kindle relationship with those churches. Uh, and that is over at Brookdale Covenant, which is right on the corner of 100 and Brooklyn Boulevard uh, over that way, technically in Brooklyn Center. Some of you all remember in a season of North City's life, we gathered there uh, at a time and they were very hospitable with their space. So we're just continuing relationship with them. Then we've got, y'all, uh, Memorial Day weekend is coming up. It's going to be like 85 tomorrow. I feel like uh, someone needs to create a meme of like uh, someone who's frozen, and it can say two weeks ago, and then someone who has like a subtle smile, and it's this week, and then someone who's like super hot, like can't handle it, and that's like tomorrow. And then just hashtag Minnesota at the bottom. I don't think memes work if you explain them like that, but um, I tried. I tried. Here's what else I want you to know about that. Uh, Memorial weekend, we're having a couple decentralized barbecues. We're going to try to have at least three locations 
around this area of north for you to participate in. We'll get details, details out soon. I believe that's the 29th of May. Uh, and so you can choose someone's backyard or right here at Weber. We'll be hopefully outside. Uh, and that'll be a different kind of Sunday. We're embracing the celebration and relaxation of that weekend. And we're just hanging out with each other, eating barbecue, in uh, those different locations. So if you're not yet in our communications channels, like you don't get our texts or you don't get our emails, now would be a great time to start getting in that communication channel so you're aware of those things. One last thing I wanna tell you about the first Sunday in June, June 6th, I believe it is, maybe 5th, check me on that. You always gotta fact check JD and his announcements. Um, we are doing something called Serve Day where it's an opportunity for us to bless uh, an organization here in the neighborhood. And last year we did this in partnership with our friends at Plymouth Covenant Church. We like kind of like did a bunch of work at Loring Community Garden. Loring has also been a part of our story. It's an elementary school down the street. And we love to bless them whenever we get the opportunity. So the morning of the 6th, from like 9 a.m. to 11, we're partnering with Plymouth Covenant Church to do a bunch of renovations around the garden. I don't know what to call it, a bunch of garden work for the spring and early planting time. And it really blesses the community garden. It's a great way uh, to, to enhance an asset of our neighborhood. And it's awesome that we get to do that. So please let me know if you wanna be a part of that. You can text the number on the table. Uh, and we've got stuff for everybody. So if you wanna bring kids, uh, we can, we can uh, involve them in what we're doing. Even if it's for 20 minutes and then they play on the playground, <laughs> we can involve them in, in some way and it's just a fun time. So please sign up for that if that interests you and we'll still have our community dinner later that day. Whew. That was a lot. Yeah, question. So it's June 5th. Thank you for fact checking. Real time fact checking with Kaywin. Thank you. June 5th, appreciate it.